So, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed in him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. But Christ is all and in all. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Let us pray. Now, dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you just a little bit about those people. You know, those people, it's human nature often to meet people and size them up and place them into one of two categories. There are our people, but then there are those people. Uh, In talking to the children, one of the things we tried hard to do in Belize is not see anybody as those people, but we are all one. But it is human nature to see our people and those people. And nobody wants to be those people because people tend to look down on those people. I remember a vivid lesson years ago and what it was like to be one of those people. It started, I was in seminary nearly 30 years ago. It started uh, at Candler School of Theology, Emory University. There was a group of us who decided to go on a mission trip. We were going to Jonesville, Virginia with a group called Appalachian Service Project. Gave you the opportunity to go up into very poor regions of the Appalachian Mountains and try to be in ministry with the people who lived there. While I was there, I bought a sweatshirt. Uh, It says Jonesville Center, Jonesville, Virginia, and in small print it says Appalachian Service Project. Yes, I bought this shirt almost 30 years ago, and I still have it, and I still wear it, and yes, I have clothes older than this too. All right, I'll tell you a quick story about this shirt that has nothing to do with the sermon Uh, which makes me think it may be time to retire it. 
Many of you know that in January, I took a group of young pastors on a mission trip to El Salvador, and they had said, it gets cool when the sun goes down, you might want a light jacket or a sweatshirt. So I grabbed this sweatshirt uh, and threw it in my bag, and the first evening, sure enough, it was cool, and I put this sweatshirt on. So I'm wearing this shirt when one of our young pastors tells us Thursday of that week was going to be his birthday. He would celebrate his birthday with us in El Salvador. Somebody said, how old are you? He said, I'll be 27. And I did the math. My shirt was older than him. So it may be time to let it go. I don't know. But so we are going back to the sermon. We were headed up to Virginia on a mission trip. Now, at the time, I was living and serving in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia, just this side of Chattanooga, Tennessee, two hours up I-75 from memory. And as we were making plans for the trip, everybody said, we'll just meet on campus and go together. And I said, well, that would be great, except for the fact that I'm two hours north. So you really want me to drive two hours down 75 to get in someone else's car and turn around and drive two hours north right past my exit? Well, the driver said, how about I just stop at your exit and I'll pick you up? I said, that's great. So Susan and I were not married yet. We weren't even dating yet. Uh, I got a friend from the church and said, would you run me up to that convenience store at the interstate so I can hitch a ride? They said, sure. So we had a great week. We worked hard, a lot of hard work, not a lot of showers. So by the end of the week, we were not very pleasant to be around. We had worked hard. We had sweated a lot. It was, we were dirty. We were nasty. We smelled. Uh, we're coming back home. They again dropped me off at my exit. I go to a payphone in the parking lot. This is way before cell phones. Uh, went to the payphone in the parking lot, called my friend. I'm back. Can you come get me? They said, I'm on my way. So I decide I'll wait inside the store. So, not, having not showered in a week, with my clothes in a drawstring army duffel bag over my shoulder, I'm walking through this store, not thinking anything about it, until I realize the cashier is following me everywhere I go. And it dawned on me, he thinks I'm going to steal something. And I, I looked down and I thought, just by looking at me, he's made a judgment about who I am. He thinks, I'm one of those people. Well, it was no fun to be one of those people, but I knew I was. I could tell by the expression on his face. And I thought, well, you know, he doesn't know I've just been on a mission trip. He doesn't know I'm a Methodist preacher from down the street. The very least I can do is buy something. So I reached in my pocket, and I pulled out all the change in my pocket, 23 cents. I had two 20s in my wallet, And I knew that, but I I had my 23 cents, and I walked up, and I said, how much is a small cup of coffee? He said, 27 cents. I looked at my change, and I didn't say it out loud, but I did think, I'm not breaking a $20 bill for a 27-cent cup of coffee just to make this guy feel better about me. So I put the 23 cents back in my pocket. I said, never mind. And another customer who had watched this whole exchange grabbed my wrist and dropped 53 cents in it. And tells me to buy myself a medium cup of coffee. Which I did, by the way. I I just don't turn down coffee. Uh, 
But he at least wanted me to feel like a human being because he watched this clerk treat me as one of those people. It's no fun being one of those people. But that's what we do too often. We divide life into our people and those people. If you don't believe me, read the news. So many times the story breaks, and before any information, any facts are forthcoming, people have already drawn lines in the sand and said, I'm on this side of the line. If you don't believe me, watch a couple of political commercials. See if you don't see our people and those people. If you don't believe me, you weren't watching the conventions over the last two weeks because there was a lot of us and them. There was a lot of our people and those people. I'd like to say it's gotten better in the 30 years since I had that experience, but I think it's worse. You can see it in the church. I talked to a friend recently who's retired, and in his retirement, he's developed an interest, a passion, actually, to work with the homeless in his community. I said, how's it going? He said, well, I'm aggravated with my church. I said, how so? He said, we've got a couple of empty classrooms that could have really been useful in trying to be in ministry with the homeless. So I asked if we could use the classrooms, and I was told no, because those people would make our people nervous. He said, I couldn't believe what I heard. So I asked him, which of those people are you worried about? The veterans who served their country and defended your freedom and came back unable to find a job and are now living under a bridge? Are you worried about the young woman who was in an abusive marriage and fled with the clothes on her back before she was killed and now can't find a place to live? Which of those people are you scared of? He said, I couldn't believe my own church saw our people and those people. But we see it a lot. And we've seen it for a long time. Paul saw it in the church 2,000 years ago. And he writes to the Colossian churches about that very thing. If you were here last week, we talked about chapter 2. And I mentioned that overall in the letter, Paul speaks of the work, the person and the work of Christ. And the point he tries to get across in the entire letter is how Christ is over all. Everything. And that includes you and how you behave. And me and how I behave. You hear that in, verse, in chapter 3. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Paul says, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have been raised with Christ, then you need to be looking at the things that Christ wants you to look at. It means there are some things that you have done in your old life that you have to let go. Some things you used to do, used to be involved with, it's time to turn those loose. And he goes through a pretty good list. And then he starts talking about how they treat one another in verse 8. Get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth, and then he says, do not lie to one another. That's how they were treating one another within the church. 
They were lying to one another. Paul says, that is your old way of life. You need to leave that behind the way you'd throw, throw away an old sweatshirt. Instead, put on something new. Clothe yourself in something new. You should have clothed yourselves with a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. Our creator is God. Put on something new, renewed in the image of God. And then he says, in that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Paul says, clearly, there used to be a lot of us and them. There used to be a lot of our people and those people. The Greeks did it. They said, there's us and there's the Jews. The Jews did it. They, they called themselves the circumcised because they felt like they were the most strict adherents to the Old Testament law and they thought that was incredibly important. So there was us and there was the uncircumcised. There were free people and then there were those slaves. Barbarians and Scythians, which I find amusing because you know what a barbarian is. We talk about barbarians being these ugly, nasty people. Scythians were from what's today modern-day Russia. They were known as the worst of the barbarians. What this tells us is that even the poor barbarians needed somebody to look down on, right? Yeah, maybe we're barbarians, but we're not like those people. We're not like those Scythians. We're, we're the good kind of barbarians, right? Everybody does it. Paul said, it needs to stop. You're not living in the old way of life anymore. If you have been raised with Christ, it's time to put on new behavior. Not see us and them. Not see our people and those people. Because Christ is all and is in all. Instead of focusing on the differences, you need to be able to see Christ in one another first and foremost. We struggle with it. The divisions in our country are deep. You can see it everywhere, every day. I have good Christian friends who love our president, who think he is right 100% of the time, which is certainly, we all get opinions. But if you say, you know, I like him a lot, but I disagree with him here, they'll call you names. Because in their mind, it's all or nothing. It's us and it's them. It's our people and it's those people. I also know good Christian folks who are not fond of our current president. They think he's wrong 100% of the time. And you might say, you know, I didn't vote for him. I disagree with him a lot, but I think here he makes sense. They'll call you names. For the same reason, because it's all or nothing. It's us, and it's them. It's our people, and it's those people. We are divided, and not just about politics, about so many things. Paul says, if you have been raised with Christ, it's time to let go of those things. Set your mind on things above. Put on a new self. 
renewed in the image of God so that there's no more Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, slave and free, barbarian and Scythian, because Christ is all and is in all. How can we learn to see one another as sisters and brothers first and foremost? See Christ in one another first and foremost. You can see it in our own denomination over the last few months if you pay much attention. Uh, We've gotten a lot of press, not because we are feeding the poor, not because we are helping the needy, not because we are trying to help people that have been victims of a natural disaster, although we do all those things. We're not getting pressed because of the work we're doing for the gospel, but rather because of the divisions that exist within the life of the church, because of the fractions that exist in the life of the church, because of the fears of the future of what will happen in the church, because we are divided. It's a shame. We have lost the ability to lovingly and respectfully disagree with one another. We should be able to do that. But I have, uh, I have good friends who feel like you either agree with them or you don't really love them. And I want to say, if you think I can't lovingly and respectfully disagree with you, then I lovingly and respectfully disagree. Because I think we ought to be able to do that. We're not called to all agree on every single thing. You're entitled to your own opinions. That's all cool. But we're still called, first and foremost, to put our love for our sisters and brothers ahead of our own opinions. We're called to see Christ in one another. When we lose the ability to lovingly disagree, we have forgotten who we are in Christ. Let me say that one more time. When we lose the ability to lovingly disagree, we have forgotten who we are in Christ. Because Christ is all and is in all. There should not be an us and a them. There should not be an our people and a those people. Paul says, if you have been raised with Christ, see the things that Christ sees. See Christ in one another. We are called to people, people who are defined not by our differences, but by our unity. Elsewhere, writing to the Corinthians, Paul uses this marvelous metaphor of the body for the church. He calls the church the body of Christ. You know the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me read to you just a little of it. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole world were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. It's okay to have differences, but we're not to be defined by our differences. We are called to be one body. 
It's not the eyes and the ears. It's not the hands and the feet. It's not the arms and the legs. It's not the nose and the mouth. We are all called to be one. If you have been raised with Christ, we are all called to be one. We are to remember that Christ is all and is in all. And think about how Jesus did see people. From the outside looking in, you may say, Jesus saw lepers. I believe Jesus saw people he loved who were in need of grace. From the outside looking in, you might say, Jesus saw a Samaritan. I believe Jesus saw someone he loved who was in need of grace. You might say, from the outside looking in, Jesus saw an adulterer. I believe Jesus saw someone he loved in need of grace. From the outside looking in, you may say, Jesus saw a bunch of Gentiles. I believe Jesus saw a group of people who were in need of grace. Jesus saw everyone as people he loved who were in need of the grace of God. Set your mind not on things, set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. There are divisions in our society, in our country, in our church that are deep, that are causing pain and damage that's hard to imagine, and yet it's there. I will tell you what I think, what I'm pretty sure of. I don't think the news media is going to solve those divisions. I don't think they can do it. I don't think politicians have any desire or ability to do it. I don't think the government can do it. It can only come through the body of Christ. Unity, healing, can only come through the body of Christ. When we realize that there is no us in them, there is no our people and those people, there is not Greek or Jew, there is not circumcised or uncircumcised, there is not barbarian or Scythian, there is not slave or free, because Christ is all and is in all. If we're ever going to change the future and bring healing to the divisions that are here, It's got to start with you. And it has to start with me. Let us pray. Gracious God, we have been raised with Christ. Thank God. Praise God. We have been raised with Christ. Since we have, let us see things. Let us see people as Jesus sees people. Let us not see groups, let us not see subgroups, let us not see us and let us not see them. Let us see Christ as all and as in all. And let us move forward as one body, sisters and brothers, united in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.